Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to Jerry Talk, a podcast for modern caregivers juggling work, home, family, kids, and finances, all while caring for an aging parent or loved one. I'm your host, Kelly Adams, a certified senior advisor and founder and CEO of Beyond Home Care. At Jerry Talk, our goal is to provide you with resources, tools, and support to help you not only survive this season of caregiving, but to thrive in it. Today's episode is a little different. It's actually being recorded on Sunday, March the 15th, which is only two days before it will go live. So if you're listening to it today, when it goes live, it will actually be Tuesday, March the 17th. So this is a unique episode because I felt like with everything going on right now in the country and the chaos, really, of this coronavirus or COVID-19 that it would be really important to bring you some information that would help you to manage your situation as a caregiver. You know, you're in a unique position dealing with one of the most vulnerable populations of either elderly or immune compromised or both. And so I know that there's a lot of fear right now. And and I want to do everything that we can to help to support you so that maybe some of that fear goes away and is replaced with more knowledge-based scientific information. I think it's very understandable for you to be scared right now. And I think our country as a whole probably is feeling that same feeling. So there are some things that you can do as a caregiver that can help in this situation. So I'm bringing back Dr. Justin Vines, who, as you know from previous episodes, is a primary care physician here in our local area of Tallapoosa County. Currently in Tallapoosa County, we do not have a confirmed case of COVID-19. However, it is confirmed in our state, and so... We know just from a realistic standpoint that we will probably have a case nearby. I think that for most who are listening, you probably have either had a case near you, if not in your area. Uh, We are seeing schools shut down, nursing homes on kind of lockdown. And so these are, it's a different time. And I, like I said, I can appreciate that we're all nervous. I'm nervous. But like you've heard me say before, knowledge is power. So the best information that we can bring to you, from my perspective, comes from a physician who's well-trained in family medicine, as well as gains his resources and information from highly regarded sources like the CDC, uh, the Center for Disease Control, or the World Health Organization, some of the leaders in our health information. In this episode, we're going to talk about COVID-19 and what it is and why it's a novel virus. Uh, We're going to talk about things that are good for a caregiver to do to keep the spread of the virus down for not only their loved one, but also themselves, because I think that's an important part that is scary for a lot of people. Um, And then we're also going to talk about the social distancing and what that is and what it really means. So let's just get right in with our conversation with Dr. Vines. Let's just get straight into it. You know, what is COVID-19? Why is this a novel virus? So COVID-19 is a coronavirus, which is a family of viruses that have been around for a long time. We've seen lots of other viruses from this family in the past. The reason that it's considered a novel viruses. We've never seen this exact form of it before. So most people are familiar with SARS back in 2003 or with the MERS, which was the Middle East Respiratory Syndrome in 2012. Both of those were coronaviruses as well. They typically cause kind of some of these upper respiratory symptoms. And again, they it's just a new member of that family that we're finding and we just haven't been exposed to it before. 
So we really don't have any immunity right now, like we would for some of these other viruses that, like the flu, I guess, that has been around. Exactly. You know, even with the flu, of course, it, it, we have kind of this, what we call antigen shift every year where you have changes in the the flu virus as it uh, as it mutates throughout the year. So we have to get a new flu shot every year. Um, but even with that, you know, you you have some baseline level of of previous exposure to the flu, even if it's not the exact same virus. Of course, that doesn't mean don't get your flu shot. Everybody should get their flu shot. But with this one, it's kind of a brand new thing that, that we've not been exposed to, so nobody really has any any immune preparation for it. So I know that the caregivers who are listening, you know, we're dealing with the most high-risk population, the elderly, the immune-compromised so why is it so dangerous for this group of people? The reason that you have such a danger for those that are older and those with multiple comorbidities really has to do with a concept we call physiologic reserve um, in, in medicine. And what that is, is basically, you know, a young, healthy person that doesn't have any chronic health conditions has a lot of kind of, quote unquote, spare excess energy that their body can devote to fighting off this virus as it tries to cause these issues. And, you know, for every chronic condition that you have that requires some energy from your body or reduces the amount of energy that your body has. And then of course, as you get older, you lose that reserve. So while you can be, you know, functioning well and and healthy at an older age, you know, you're not equipped to handle a drastic increase in need for energy and kind of from your body's metabolic drive to to fight this this virus so it allows the virus to get more of a foothold and cause more issues just because you don't have that that extra kick that you know that you can throw in to help it i think of it most people have been around kids or have kids you know the kids get the cold or they get a little stomach bug and they're you know sick for one day and then they're back running around the house the next day and the parents are down for the rest of the week trying mm-hmm. to recover from the same thing so it's just an, an amplification of that that kind of scenario. Well, and that makes sense because we're not seeing near the amount of pediatric cases of this COVID-19 as we are in our older population. Right. And, and that's actually, it's obviously a very good thing, but it also is something that we have to be very careful about because children can still carry and spread the disease. And a lot of times they, you know, they've kind of found in some of these studies that they're doing. Of course, we're trying to get all the information we can about this virus from all these different sources. But but in a lot of situations, they've seen that kids may not show hardly any symptoms at all, even while they're spreading the virus more or less. So fortunately, they are not getting as sick. They're able to get over it. There have been, you know, maybe just a, a small, small handful of pediatric fatalities due to this virus. So, uh, you know, that that's a good thing, but we also have to be careful because it is able to spread, especially from kids, but even everyone else, you know, there, there's an incubation period. So it takes a little while after you've been exposed for the virus to show symptoms. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you know, we found that, that those people are still capable of transmitting the virus. They're still what we call shedding it and, and are capable of, of giving it to others. So it's just, it's very important to to practice our social distancing, as the as the term of the day is is called. Yeah, so that's a great segue. So help us to understand what is social distancing, and how is that 
supposed to help, you know, kind of flatten this curve? So social distancing is basically just the idea that we want to try to separate ourselves from others as much as we possibly can. This virus is, as of right now, the you know the, the transmission is, is considered to be droplet transmission. And what that means is if you're within six feet, it's kind of the, the magic number. If you're within six feet of someone that's coughing or sneezing, those droplets that are produced when we cough or sneeze carry the virus. And so if you're again, within six feet of someone that, that's spreading that virus with a cough or a sneeze, you're at risk of, of contracting the, the virus. Now, you know, there is some concern that there may be some virus that's shed in the feces. So there's kind of a whole nother fecal route that's kind of being explored now. But but the main thing is, is the droplet precautions. And so what social distancing is, is you kind of want to stay six feet away from everyone which is easier said than done if you're out and about. So it really right. what it boils down to is try to stay home away from social situations as much as possible. Um, and that's really going to be the key to avoiding getting this. You know, we don't have an effective treatment or an effective cure or vaccine for, for COVID-19 right now. And so the, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So if you can prevent ever being exposed to it, that's our best option right now. Yeah, so it makes sense then why the schools would choose to shut for two and a half weeks and why some employers are pushing to work from home and that kind of a thing, just to cut down. Exactly. Just trying to avoid, again, because you go back to it, people can be asymptomatic and still be spreading the the virus and not even realize it. So, you know, it, it, it's the best case to kind of let everyone stay at home as much as we can and and kind of let this thing, you know, die out if we can. For the older population and for those those people that are already homebound, that prevents a couple of, or that presents rather, a couple of kind of interesting situations where you've got caregivers coming in and out and having to provide care, but also having to be out in the community and potentially having to take care of children or other family members. And, and so there's some kind of unique I guess, things that you need to prepare for as a caregiver for an older adult. The The biggest few things that I would say, number one, and I spoke to this some a little bit the last time that I was on, but make sure you're in contact with your, your primary care physician. Uh, I know at least here in the state of Alabama where we are, we've had some changes with the uh, pharmacy association and, and kind of mm-hmm. there's been a, a consideration among physicians that, you know, We'll go ahead and get you some refills on your medicine, even if that's not normally the case. We kind of want you to be able to stockpile those medicines so you don't have to get out to the pharmacy and get those. So make sure you're talking to them about that as a possibility. You know, obviously, if you start to show any signs or symptoms, the, the biggest three would be fever, cough, shortness of breath. Your primary care provider needs to know about that. Make sure you give them a call rather than going up to the doctor's office. Right. Uh, you know, give that call and you know, they can direct you on what you want to do. Each physician in each kind of region is going to have a different way of what they've put in place to, to deal with those situations. Um, obviously, if you start to have what they're calling emergency symptoms, things like, you know, obviously bluish lips, extreme shortness mm-hmm. of breath, confusion, obvious things that you, you know, chest pain, things that you would probably go to the emergency room for anyway, those don't need to 
wait for a phone call, of course, go ahead and get those things seen about. But if it's just fever, cough, a little bit mild shortness of breath, go ahead and give us a call so that we can we can start working on that. The other thing, too, before I forget to say it is if you are a caregiver, you know, you need to be making preparations now in case you were to get sick. You know, mm-hmm. we don't want to think about that. But, you know, if you get sick, who's going to be taking care of that person that you've been responsible for. And so kind of getting those those backup plans in place now and and starting to make those phone calls and reach out to those family or friends that you can depend on and, and talk about that is going to be very important. Yeah, I think it's important to go ahead and have a deep team. You know, not it's really easy for us to say, well, there is no one else. But in reality, let's really think outside the box. And if it came down to it, who else could come? It's not just your common cold. It's not. It's not. And it's not one of those things, again, as as most younger folks, really the the population less than 60, is this going to be something that's going to cause a a few deaths in that population? Of course it's going to. But it's really, you know, from the data that we're seeing so far, it's much less deadly for that population less than 60. So the reality of it is you'll probably – be able to go and do things. You won't be bed bound or so sick that you can't do things, but that does not mean that you need to be getting out and about and trying to take care of someone who would be in that much higher risk category. So you really need to work on getting those those plans in place and that team in place because, as you said, there's there, there's someone there. And again, if, if it comes down to it, talk to your physician and see what local resources are available. You know, the will will help. That's what we're there for. Right. That's a good, that's a good point. So for caregivers who, you know, it's really, it would be almost easier, right, to seclude someone who's elderly, to make sure that nobody comes to see them. But for that caregiver, what did they need to do in particular to make sure that they do not become a carrier, they don't get infected themselves? Because that's the way that we're really seeing this virus go from person to person. It is, it's through that, that carrier or that, that host person, I guess. Right. And I think, again, just practicing those social distancing maneuvers as much as you can. Of course, the CDC is a good resource and your local health department would be a good resource on specifics of, of, of what to do in your situation where you can go for, for help. But the biggest thing is, you know, try to minimize your trips out. Um, try to minimize your trips to the grocery store. So go and get things that will keep, you know, that'll keep for two to three weeks and you can... Um, Focus on getting those things set up in your house and, and, and that way you don't have to make those trips out. Focus on, you know, again, getting the medicine, getting all the medicines that you can at the pharmacy and, and get those stockpiled up at your house so that you don't have to keep making those trips out. And, and those are really the biggest things just try to avoid. And, of course, if, you, if you're feeling sick, you think you may have been exposed go ahead and, and, and self-quarantine, activate that plan of, hey, can you go check on my my mother, my aunt, or whoever it may be, you know, asking those friends to do that while you figure out and get yourself tested to see if you may be um, a carrier, may have get, contracted the, the virus. Yeah, that's good. So I'm going to put in the show notes um, information from the CDC and from from WHO as well, just so that people have those easy to access. Any other Areas that you think we need to cover on coronavirus that we haven't already talked about? You know, the one thing that I would say, and, and I haven't, you know, seen this put out there as much as, you know, 
while it's you know this kind of social distancing is is the name of the game to try to avoid getting the virus you know people still are social animals and will still need some form of contact so make sure again particularly with these older adults that you know if you have the capability make sure you've got a computer set up with Skype or some ability to communicate outside and have access to the internet uh, a lot of places for instance churches are uh, switching over to live streaming events mm-hmm. so if you can if you have the capability to get that set up you don't want to disconnect completely from the world as a whole thankfully we have the internet and we have lots of capabilities that we wouldn't have had even you know 15 years ago so Make sure that we're we're getting those things set up because while we want to isolate everyone and, and keep everyone safe from the virus, we don't want to completely isolate people and go down into depression and and again social isolation. It's is dangerous in and of itself. So just trying to get those those processes in place to to keep people connected without getting them out and about. Yeah, so uh, I talk about Gammy a lot on this program. Um, she's in a nursing home, and our state has restricted access into nursing homes and assisted mm-hmm. livings. And so she is, you know, on lockdown and can't have any visitors. So unfortunately, she does not have the ability to Skype. But mm-hmm. uh, we went ahead and, and put together a phone tree for her so mm-hmm. that each of us cousins and um, some of her children are all calling at different times of the day mm-hmm. to talk to her, to tell her what's going on in our lives, and just to give her some window into the outside. So that's one thing we've done. The second thing we've done is to have the kids color pictures for her and send them in the mail so that every day she gets mail because mm-hmm. that's, you know, something exciting, something different that she can look forward to. And again, it's just that social interaction. And then the other thing is that they are allowing flowers to be delivered at the front. Um, mm-hmm. The person can't enter the building, but they can come. And so just things like that, that will still allow for something, you know, for some brightening of her day. Because it is, it's really hard, that social interaction. I mean, we could hear it yesterday, and it's only been two days. We could already hear that in her voice. So the other good thing is that a lot of our nursing homes and assisted livings, they allow you to hire caregivers from within their staff. Uh, most of those communities will not allow caregivers from the outside anyway. And so if you can get a personal care attendant to come, even just take that person outside uh, on a pretty day, that's a great way to get them Again, some vitamin D, some sunshine, some fresh air, when they may not be able to because, you know, it is kind of all hands on deck in those areas. Yeah, I think those are great things. Again, you just don't want to forget about the person while you're trying to focus on on this disease. Um, And, you know, this is going to be a process. I heard a a pretty good quote, as infectious disease doctor was saying, this is not a coronavirus blizzard. This is a coronavirus winter that we're looking at. So right. we kind of have to be kind of ready for the long haul. You know, hopefully this will be over soon and we can kind of get through this with, without a lot of disruptions to our lives. But we need to be prepared for this to last, you know, up to a couple of months and, uh, right. and kind of get those processes in place. And, and now, again, at the beginning, before we've kind of had complete loss of control and, you know, in every community, you know, certainly if it's not in your community at this time, now is the time to, to do those preparations. And and when I say that, I know there's been some, some concern about panic buying. I, I don't mean go out and buy everything at the grocery store, but again, just try to start thinking about these, these processes that you're going to need to have in place and, and start, you know, getting some of those things that you may need as far as the, the, the key is really going to be the food and drinks just to have at home and, and try to avoid 
going out as much as possible. So Yeah, just be smart. I mean, I think exactly. that's the biggest key is be smart. Don't panic. Stay calm. We'll all ride this out together, but to be smart. That's so. right. And, and you know, the hand sanitizer, I know that's been a, kind of a hot topic. Uh, truthfully, soap and water is, is the better option, you know, if you have access to it. And most of us have access to running water and soap. And singing your ABCs while you wash your hands, right? That's right. 20 seconds. Um, so Which is here a long in Alabama, time. <laughs> it is. Here, here in Alabama, I've heard it said that if you sing the chorus to Sweet Home Alabama twice <laughs> while you're washing your hands... <laughs> That's enough time. So, you know, just just some way to to get you through that 20 seconds of of good hand washing. You know, you don't need to wear a mask just as a routine thing. That's not something that's going to necessarily prevent the spread. Now, of course, if if you have the virus and you're trying to prevent it inside your home while you're there, yes, certainly, you know, wearing the mask can probably prevent some of that droplet spread. But as far as just being out in the community wearing a mask or, you know, just chronically wearing a mask or making, you know, the person that you care for wear a mask, that's probably unnecessary. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just again, washing those hands, wiping down surfaces. um, That's the only other new thing I'll share is that there has been some data that this virus can survive on hard surfaces for potentially up to two days. And so just making sure you're wiping down those surfaces that, that could have been in contact or, or how you surface cell phones are a thing you want to make sure you're kind of trying to keep them clean as much as you can. That's good advice. That's great. Well, thank you so much for taking time out on your day off to talk to us. I really appreciate it. And I know that our community in Jerry Talk will appreciate it too. Well, thank you again for having me. And um, I hope everybody stays safe. Thanks, Justin. Hey, thanks for joining us today on Jerry Talk. I hope that this episode gave you some helpful information in a very chaotic time for a lot of you. You know, I mentioned some uh, suggestions I had about dealing with our elderly and kind of helping them to get through the social isolation that can happen right now. I think that anytime you can think about your elderly neighbor, um, your aging parent, making sure that they're okay, that they're checked on, it's easier for you and I to weather this storm. And I think that's an important thing to remember. So pick up the phone, make a simple phone call. I'm not asking you to go see anyone that's not in your your already social group as, you know, we talked to Dr. Vines about social distancing and how important that is. But if you have the ability to FaceTime or to Skype, that's great. That's a great way to socially engage with someone without being right there in person. I also think it's important to point out that this concept of social distancing, it's not about me and you. It's about us as a collective, as a as a country, as a collective people. It's about taking care of those that are the most vulnerable to this. And so when we socially distance ourselves or we stay home instead of going out to a fun restaurant or to meet up with friends, the purpose is that we could carry it to someone who can't uh, manage the illness the same. And so I think that this is, it's a good shift that I'm seeing in our country, that we are worried more about the collective than ourselves. And in a a very self-involved time period, I feel like, that's encouraging. So just remember that we're all in this together, and we will get through this together.